Hey, my name is Josh Korak. I'm a mental health counselor in the Northern Colorado area. In this space, I get the chance to interview professionals in the field, talk about mental illness, self-care, and so much more. With this show, I ask you to join me in doing what one of my favorite philosophers, a Buddhist monk, Thich Nhat Hanh, says. Smile, breathe, and go slowly. This is Care with Korak. Welcome back to Care with Korak. Hope everyone's doing well and enjoying the fall weather. Without a doubt, this is probably one of my favorite times of the year. It's really a bummer that fall is such a short season in Colorado. I'm very jealous of my friends listening over on the East Coast right now. I know you're probably getting some great weather and some uh, good fall vibes right now. Well, today we're here to finish the rest of my interview with Cody, Cody Bradford. I didn't realize until after I had already um, published the last episode that I never <laughs> explicitly said that there was going to be a part two, so surprise. I mean, I know it was titled part one, but, you know, I'm still learning, so apologize for any confusion, but I appreciate all the feedback I've gotten so far from you guys, and keep it coming. I'm always here to learn. In this part with Cody, we get to continue our discussion talking about the comparisons between accessibility and mental health care and outdoor guiding, uh, some of the privilege that comes with that. We talk about the use of social media with mental health and education, staying within the bounds of our expertise as professionals, and we get to talk about the Joker. What is that even going to be about? You got to listen to find out, so... Stick around. Well, let's jump into it. There's no time to waste. This is Care with Korak with Cody Bradford, part two. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm glad that you've been able to reach out and find that support. And, and it's hard, you know, you mentioned insurance stuff earlier and it's it's not easy either like i don't know fully how to best explain it but just the way that mental health has been mental health care has been structured in our culture and our society is not the easiest to uh, to access i guess for a lot of people who aren't necessarily as privileged as, as some of us are so like like i was when i was growing up and able to do counseling you know, it's only recent changes, I guess, that insurance has been started to be accepted in more places. And, and in a lot of places, it's it's still not. Which is an interesting parallel to guiding. Uh, I, I mean, I don't even have to get into the moral quandaries. I, I mean, I'll fully uh, put out there that I think our in completely individualistic mindset here is just completely misguided. In, in our country, uh, the U.S., uh, the bootstrap mentality, I just, I just, I think it's flawed, uh, into, like 95%. And it's really unfortunate that we're just now getting to the point where we can even begin to think like, like, oh, I definitely need to see a mental health counselor or I definitely need to, you know, see a physical therapist about like my back or whatever. Oh, but does my insurance cover it? And like just now, an insurance company, which in my opinion, shouldn't exist 
<laughs> as a primary means of care, of affording care, uh, the idea of affording care even. Anyway, it's funny how this is all parallel uh, in a completely like arbitrary sense to the guiding industry because oh. guiding guides are recreation. It's literally built into the name. It is not necessary. And so in that way, it's not comparable. It's only comparable in the sense that it's kind of ironic that I, in, in the guiding world, it's not regulated. It's self-regulated. If your guide isn't AMGA certified, it's, that's not necessarily like an indictment of their abilities or anything. It's, it, it's, I think it's meaningful, but I also think because it, it's really expensive to become a guide, Right. Um, I've spent a lot of money and still out of, I live out of a van full time just to become a guide. It's kind of funny how, I mean, the world of, of like mental health care, for example, and then guiding like mirror each other. One's very much important and one is just totally auxiliary. Um, yet nonetheless, it's, it's like they're mirrored images of each other, how lack of regulation has just steeped all of us in kind of this interesting conundrum of like, Oh, I want mental health counselor. Oh, I've got to be able to pay for it oh i want a guide and i can pay for it but my guide isn't even required to be how do i find someone who's like been credentialed in the process you right. know it's, it's 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 kind of interesting in that way actually and i think it's really unfortunate in terms of mental health just yeah. how we've made it so challenging yeah mm-hmm. for someone to seek it and uh, yeah i'm not shy about that opinion i'm i'm i guess i am quite politically opinionated but that's one area where i'm just like no nah, that's just a moral failing no, I mean, I agree. I mean, I, I also want to point out though, that you're, you're really minimizing, I think, the importance of the outdoors. I mean, you, you know. Okay, fair. So, fair. <laughs> I mean, I think you're right. Maybe it's not necessary per se. I, I don't know. I, that's hard for me to get out of my own biases. But I think there is such an importance to the outdoors, right? And I, I, hope, I hope you recognize that the work you're doing is not minimal it's not taken for granted or just for fun i mean it is fun and that's needed right you know when we if we think of mental health right we can kind of conceptualize it in a very generalized sense in kind of two ways right we can look at the positive and the negative right the negative being what we kind of traditionally think of as mental health meaning you know those areas of depression anxiety you know, trauma, grief, all those areas that maybe we struggle with that we are impacted by in any quote unquote negative way. Right. And then we can kind of flip onto this other side uh, of the positive, right. The, the areas in our life that are going well, right. The areas that do fuel us um, mentally and psychologically, right. The areas of our coping skills, of our passions, like we've been talking about, of those relationships that are really strong and healthy, right? And, and it's needed, right? Especially when we are dealing with some of these issues, as, as most of us have been in this, uh, you know, at least some form of depression, anxiety, I would argue, through sure, COVID. Sure. And, and so we need things like the outdoor space to be able to help balance that out, I think. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate, I appreciate that partner check. I do. Um, I, yeah, I appreciate that partner check. I I think that in that reality check, I, I, I do. It is true. Yeah. There's definitely an importance to being able to say that you have access 
to not only those spaces, but also to the knowledge to be in those spaces in some form. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think this has been maybe a shortcoming of the mental health industry and of psychology that surprisingly has only been a recent development. There, there is this field now called positive psychology where it is focusing more on you know, building up the strengths of the clients. Right? It used to be all about, okay, here's what's going wrong. Here's what's not working. Um, we need to fix this, right? Kind of treating it in this kind of medical model that we still unfortunately, in my opinion, unfortunately still do today. And, and only within the past, I want to say 20 years, maybe have we started to look and say, oh, you know what? There are positive things about our clients too, right? Our clients do have strengths. There are things that maybe we could focus on more to build up rather than maybe just trying to minimize what's not working, right? If we can build up on their strengths and the things that are going good in their life. And I think the outdoor space, especially, you know, on the Western part of the, the States, and it sounds like you know, again, this is where I'm a little bit more naive just because I grew up over in this side and haven't moved. But, <laughs> you know, especially over on the West, I'll say it's it's the whole outdoor identity is so big for a lot of people. And and being able to go out and hike or being able to go out with their dogs for a run or paddle boarding or, I don't know, ATVing, is that a thing, right? Four-wheeling. I don't know. Yeah. Some people do, right? Whatever people are doing, <laughs> maybe that that space in the outdoors to feel alive, to feel adventurous, right? I think that that's super important. I'm glad that we have advocates out there like you who are always pushing for that and, and being able to show others how to do that. So, yeah. And I do, while we're on that subject too, I mean, that's like kind of part of the reason I, you know, growing up in a poor family that didn't never had access to being able to hire anyone for a recreational activity, especially. Um, I want people to feel empowered to reach out to me because I will do my best to answer you. And if I don't answer you, it's not because I don't care. It's just genuinely because I'm trying to make sure I get to everyone. And I will try to answer you in a, like the best way I can. And I, I hope to, as soon as I can figure out the whole permitting situation and everything, on how legal this is in places, which again, it's just, I don't understand how that comes into it, but uh, it does. Uh, I want to be able to offer those clinics for people. I, I, in, in a way, you know, what's cool about social media. We, we harp on social media as a bastion of, right. of toxic culture often. And yeah, hundred percent. I would say that that's a real problem. It is. And as millennials, you know, like you and I grew up without the internet and right. then we very much had the internet. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, watching this generation come up now, and by the way, I think every successive generation is better than the last. I'm definitely not one of the juvenile types, but I do think the challenges that they face are the fact that their entire social pragmatic, all social pragmatism is hashed out on, on the internet. And that's just, it comes with inherent problems. But I do also think that, well, if, if it's here, how can we use it for good? And I think what you're seeing now is this education movement on social media. Like, I mean, I get a ton of my education from YouTube right? <laughs> in a good way. Like I try really hard to only listen to people who have, 
you know, training or degrees or who at the very least have just done incredible diligent amounts of like years worth of research into the subject that they talk about primarily. Mm -hmm. I am on Instagram and I follow other creators who do not just climbing things, but there are people who make like, I mean, I learned how to make the perfect steak in a cast iron the other day, <laughs> although I am trying to be more vegetarian and vegan, but like, I, I was just like, that's too entertaining to not try. Uh, um, there is a movement happening. And so I want to see uh, that access proliferated via social media, the most easy uh, way that it can happen. And so that's like part of why this Instagram thing, you know, is, is pretty, still important to me. I'm still trying, I'm trying to make it better now actively, mm-hmm. you know, I have better camera equipment now. Um, literally before, excuse me, literally before we spoke, I've been like getting pictures off of this thing and yeah. trying really hard to figure out how do I make this better and cultivate it a little bit more. And so, yeah, I hope that people are able to, uh, who can't afford me as an example out there in the real world consistently. First of all, I hope I can offer more affordable alternatives eventually in the future. And in the meantime, be a resource on the internet. And I know a lot of mental health counselors are doing that. Like there's YouTube channels and Instagram accounts of doctors and like, you know, MDs and LMHC uh, and like dentists and all yeah. these people like who are on there now and you can find them and they're all there and they're experts in their field. Mm-hmm. And they're people of all color of all of, of all background and it's it's pretty cool actually so it's in, a, in the same way it's been very liberating and you know again coming from what we were just talking about which is the the lack of access yeah no i mean a great great insight i think you know part of the whole reason i even did <laughs> am, am doing this the show is because of people like you you know i think of you i think of there's this guy following name Matthias J. Barker who blew up on TikTok. Um, he's a counselor as well and was able to really utilize that space in such a unique way. Um, if you guys haven't seen his videos, he has a podcast too that I listen to. And and yeah, you know, like I was, I, you know, I've spent this past year, I haven't personally posted on social media really, unless it's like sharing mental health resources on my stories. But I haven't posted on Instagram in like over a year just because I've been thinking, like, okay, you know, I'm getting older, like, how do I really want to be using the space where I'm not just like, you know, posting about myself constantly anymore? Not that I really posted about <laughs> myself constantly, but um, like, how do I want to be using the space? And like, and and I have no qualms about anybody who is just posting about themselves and, and their life. And I think there is some, there's definitely some positivity in that too, and in, in a way of uh, creative expression. But but for me, I was just really struggling. Like, I'm not really happy with like the time I'm spending on social media, just scrolling and liking other people's pics. And like, and so that's, that's a big reason why I started this is like, okay, uh, you know, I do want to create more of a positive space. And if I can be sharing something that I've been spending so much time, like researching and learning about and practicing, like, then why not, you know, hundred percent. So guys like you have definitely inspired me and others to to be able to do that and I think that's really cool and I'm glad that you pointed that out because I think it is pretty easy for a lot of us to harp on social media because of a lot of those negative side those negative interactions that we have in that space and okay if that's the case then how do we really utilize the positives in that the best we can so I think that's really cool I'm also 
glad that you've kind of, we've been kind of incorporating this talk of privilege, which I don't know how much we can really get into this speaking as, you know, two white men, uh, men, but um, I think, you know, especially in the outdoor industry and in the mental health industry, at least for a while, you know, there, there is a, a certain amount of privilege, you know, I think of, you know, when I was a high school, well, so I got into climbing when I was in middle school, growing up in a very predominantly white uh, suburb of Denver, right? Um, North Denver, Broomfield. And having, so I, I was able to join a rock climbing club in my middle school, high school. And I mean, it was pretty much all white. I mean, the school alone was pretty much all white. I think we had like a handful of you know, kids who were black, kids who were Asian. Yeah, maybe maybe a slightly larger Hispanic population, but predominantly white. And so, and I'm sure that's maybe similar, and you could probably speak better to this, but the outdoor industry has been limited, I think, because of not only money, finances, but just also location and accessibility and some of those other things that you were mentioning earlier. Yeah, it's it, it when we talk about, you know, especially it's easy when we talk about recreation, but, you know, and, and we talk about mental health, especially just even our view of mental health. Uh, me as a white man, my view of mental health is so different than that of a black man growing up, uh, literally could have grown up in the if I grew up in a middle class existence a black man next to me could have grown up in that same middle-class existence and have a completely different uh, outcome just based on skin color alone, much less the fact that media is designed around me. The uh, There's this uh, great YouTube channel that I just found yesterday called FD Signifier. He's got like, you know, 39,000 subscribers at this point. I think his channel needs to grow more because he really put into perspective. He has a video about like, why do white uh, men love edgelords so much like Joker movies and uh, fight club. And which I was like, you know, instantly I hadn't, uh, you know, cause last year, I think all of us who, who are in this, like in this position, you know, last year, like I had my first reckoning in 2012 with the Trayvon Martin uh, murder. And then, ultimate and then and then the ultimate birth of black lives matter and and i'm now having that moment again where i'm starting to realize like oh yeah like even the meat like why do i enjoy characters like that so much and that goes directly into mental health i mean take a character like joker for example you know who is like this this seemingly unhinged person that for some reason any like white kid who's been through even the slightest amount of uh uh the slightest amount of uh trauma or whatever have been through now. Um, and uh, or for any reason relates to that character, my, any, any of my friends who are black don't necessarily, I mean, like they, it's not to say that they don't, but like what a FD signifier was saying was that, like, you know, he just couldn't relate to that character because like, it's just, you know, how, Oh man, I'm going to butcher. I I really so badly don't want to butcher what he said, but essentially it's that like, you know, so for me, even growing up poor, even though I grew up in that, in that same neighborhood, at least, well, I mean, at least until the age of 11, I didn't experience it the same way he did. You know, I, I, and so 
for me, I got to see someone like Joker as like, oh yeah, like what happens when I lose control right. versus he's like, no, if I lose control, I get shot. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and I, I'm, I'm completely butchering the way he said it, but it, it essentially kind of uh, wraps around that. And, and I think with that's like, wow, for in terms of mental health, I mean, uh, especially in like the outdoor space, mm-hmm. you know, it's like just how we uh, experience it is completely different. Mm-hmm. and yeah i i can't even you know and i don't i don't know what to do with that information except like okay well now i know this and you know from where i stand i'm like well, all i can do from my stance at the moment until someone gives me feedback that i can do something better is like first of all just keep putting out as much free content as i possibly can mm-hmm. and also making myself available emotionally as i possibly can to say that I, I, I can't necessarily relate and uh, sympathize, but I can empathize and, or is it the other way around? I'm sorry. Um, no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or em- empathy, empathize, being- but I can't necessarily sympathize. Like I haven't also gone through exactly what they've gone through myself, but nonetheless, sympathize, not empathize. I think. Yes. What, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sympathize on empathize. Thank you. But nonetheless, I will at least make it say that, it's okay for everyone to be able to put all this out there. Mm-hmm. And then you're simultaneously making it okay to, well, like it, it is okay to put it out there. And now it's like, how will that be received? And I don't know. And, you know, from there moving forward, it's yeah, obviously that's still a, a big component of it. And uh, in terms of mental health, I mean, that's not my specialty, but I'm sure that you've got some insight into that, at least in terms of the discrepancy, because I could talk, you know, for days about like how, we've systematically made it extremely difficult for people of color, even much less the LGBTQ community to be a part of this space. I'm glad that's changing, thankfully. But slow change. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So many uh, great insights in what you just said, but you know, I'm really glad that you, kind of voice like this idea of like okay I know this now and like now what like I don't know what to almost it's almost like I don't know what to do with what I know having this increased awareness over over your own privilege which I feel like it's when we say that like oh I have privilege like that sounds like such a it's I don't it it shouldn't sound like a negative thing but maybe it's been warped to for for a lot of maybe white middle class, um, upper class individuals to be a negative thing. And like having privilege and recognizing it um, is not in and of itself such a negative thing, right? It's what we do with that information. It's how we hold that information in our hearts and and how we ultimately, you know, what, what we ultimately do with that. And so I'm glad that you were kind of able to recognize, okay, I, I know I'm learning this about myself. I'm learning that you know, there are these areas in my life that are different, right, than maybe other people of of color or people, you know, who identify in that LGBTQ plus community, because that, that's been kind of my experience, you know, growing up and, and growing into this field of mental health and, and learning so much about myself, um, which I think is one of the really cool things about this program. And I'm sure your, you know, partner will also be experiencing here soon enough. But just learning so much about yourself and your own privilege. And, and that's kind of like, okay, well, I, I know this and what do I do with it? Yeah. I, 
I agree. And I think like having our spaces for doing this is one thing. I, I feel like it's for me, what, what uh, listening to FD signifier really did was it made me realize that, okay, so like I've had that information and I sat with it, but I didn't really sit with it enough. And so what that means now is that, okay, well now I actually need, to, what can I do to make effective change? Well, I've got the voting thing. I'm, I, I obviously like, you know, I mean, it's like, I, I, I am now voting for those politicians that will ultimately affect the most progressive change as much as possible. That's, that's easy though, because that's just me literally getting to like, sure. I might write a Senator every once in a while. I might vote. I, I will, I will definitely vote in elections, but okay. What can I do now though? Like what can I get up tomorrow and do? And for me right now, it's like, you know, and, and the thing that I, I struggle with is because I don't, well, I'll just say the thing I struggle with is that I want to offer, like I, I want to go to climbers of color and say, Hey, we all come over here to Mazama and I'll just give you a free course. And then the, the really shitty thing is that as soon as I think that the next thing on my mind is, Oh shit, are they going to like, I don't want to be white savior. Like I definitely don't want to do that. Yeah. And that's, and by the way, that's totally valid because like, I don't, I, I won't, I'm not like I, I've had years to sit with this now and I genuinely think I am just doing it because I want to give space for people in com like completely independent of finances or whatever, right. or uh, cultural. So, but the thing is, the thing I can't separate is the fact that, well, but how is it like, you know, a straight white male instructor is now giving this lending over this instruction with that power dynamic in place and then on top of that, it's, it's, it's also what, okay, well, you know, is, oh, is this even legal? Can I like have a bunch of people over? First of all, I think it totally is. And then it all, but, but it doesn't matter because the deal is, is that I should just do it. <laughs> like how, you know, and, and I, I, I'm it's really complex. I mean, you know, I think you're pointing out some really, you know, looking at it from all these different directions, you know, I think I earlier, I simplified it a little bit too much of saying like, oh, well, now that we have this awareness as if it's this final complete thing. And, and the reality is, is it's definitely not right. It's, it's obviously a, an ongoing process for the rest of our lives of, of increasing our awareness of recognizing our privilege of um, learning how, you know, how do we continue to um, engage with, you know, the black community or the LGBTQ community, the, you know, POC community, whatever it might be. And it is an ongoing process. I think it's really important to recognize. Yeah. And I, um, and I, and I think that the next, those next steps are going to be, I, first of all, I'm glad change is happening. I think that, it is now just, it's beyond the reckoning. It is what do we do with it? And for me, like those next steps are laid out fairly clearly. It's like, I'm just going to offer as many programs as I can financially feasibly for me, which at this moment, I regret to say is, is a little challenging <laughs> given that I just canceled all of my August work sure. and September work. But I, yeah, what it, yeah. Like, uh, yeah, it is. It, I, I mean, those, uh, I have steps now. It's just following through with them. Right. And um, in terms of where that leads us into just the ability for people to feel welcome in this space. It, yeah. I really have just, I, I've, I did just kind of 
stepped back and was just like, I'm yeah. What, like, what do I need to, what do I need to learn in order to make this happen? So <laughs> Bo Burnham says it well in that, uh, in that special where he's like, me, we've had the floor for at least 600 years. Maybe we should just shut the fuck up. <laughs> and then he interrupts himself by saying like, I'm bored. I don't want to do that. <laughs> it's, it's like, Oh man, that's, that really sums it up kind of well. Honestly, I, I, I really enjoyed his, his uh, special as well. And I thought like, wow, this is not typical Bo Burnham uh, <laughs> first off. And yeah, like he, I think he touched on a lot of touchy subjects that were important to talk about. And, but, you know, I just want to keep encouraging you. I mean, I think the fact that you're even having these, um, reflections that you're having these discussions with others it says a lot you know and you know it, the reality is there's so many people uh, maybe in positions like ourselves who do who do come with some white privilege or, or privilege in general that aren't having these reflections that aren't having these discussions and are blissfully unaware and ignorant of it and so you know whether you're doing quote unquote enough or not enough I mean I think the fact that you are taking the steps and you have the desire to be more aware is, is a great, you know, at least at the very least first step, you know, and um, says a lot. So, well, you know, and to take this in a little bit more passionate direction and kind of like bringing it back into just in general, Mm -hmm. in this country, what we have done systematically is that we have said, you gotta have like uh, my, my adoptive dad always said growing up money talks, shit walks, and man, how frustrating is it that he was so right about that? Because we have just made it such that, oh, if you don't have money, you are inherently seen as, as well, you just didn't try hard enough. And then it's like, okay, well, what about all these systematic ways in which someone wasn't able to get money? I mean, just take redlining and black populations is just a very, very small example. You know, I mean, like the inability to create family wealth take white Southern rural Appalachian families in West Virginia, Western North Carolina, Eastern Tennessee, whose rivers are, whose homes were literally just demolished by the Tennessee Valley authority or who coal mines have completely polluted all the streams around them have left them with literally nothing. There was literally a song called I sold my soul to the company store because the company store was the only place they could buy uh, food with the money that the company gave them. They didn't pay them in American dollars. They paid them in, 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 in uh, the company's own currency that you could only use there. And then you take education away from it. We've said that, uh, you know, for a long time, I mean, private schools genuinely came out of segregation or actually, well, they came out of integration because they, I mean, essentially white families said, we're going to take our, our students out of this, uh, our, our kids out of this because, you know, whatever. And then so like, and we had private schools all of a sudden you have the health industry, which already communities are skeptical of because you had the Tuskegee experiments. And, and now we have an entire population of, of hell. I mean, now we have entire populations of people who don't even believe in health, the health, like in, in healthcare at all, because it vaccines as an example right now, because we've stripped away all of the social the social structures that would help us all come under that umbrella and and take care of all of us 
in that equal way, we have such a long systemic history of it that something like healthcare, for example, healthcare, like I can't afford healthcare. I mean, because like healthcare is that's like low on the totem pole, right? I've got to like take care. I mean, I, so me as I have one kidney, I had a kidney removed when I was nine years old. Um, yeah, my mother passed away because she lost both of hers. They caught mine in time, you know, and I still to this day don't know how much my adoptive family paid for that. I, I will probably never know because they don't, they never talk to me about finances mm-hmm. and like mental health. Like, well, I've got this kidney I got to take care of. I can't afford that. I got to go to like dialysis, you know, like, I don't do that actually, but like, other, but a lot of people are in that position. Like I can't afford a mental health counselor. I'm paying all my money towards dialysis. And mm-hmm. yeah. And as soon as you put any other component on top of that, apart from, uh, just being poor, as soon as you add any other degree, you make it really difficult. Mm-hmm. I mean, hell, you make it impossible a lot of the time. And uh, and the reason I'm getting so in, kind of inflamed about this right now is just because it, it's something that has in recent years has been, I mean, I've always been someone questioning why things are the way they are. I am now in that position of like, I'm just still kind of angry. I've, I kept all that anger as from a from being a teenager and not ever having answers and always being told uh, things that didn't make sense. And now I'm like, well, now I know why they don't make sense. And I'm demanding that you change it. Right. Like, yeah. And I don't, I, I don't know how to express that anger. It's probably part of like my mental health condition right now is the fact that I have all of this anger towards this, the system that we've created in this country and uh, it's all connected. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, and again, just kind of linking it back there, they, uh, there is a term for that. I don't know if it fully falls or if we can fully kind of um, conceptualize it in this way, but there is this idea of righteous anger is what they call it. And, and typically they, they use that in regards to uh, racial justice, but I think it can be applicable here in terms of, yeah, like there, our system is broken. Like there, there is there is not, and there's never going to be a perfect system. At least I think so. Sure. Um, and, you know, I, I think being able to recognize that and having this anger of like, this is not just, you know, it's not right that, you know, black people are still getting shot down in the streets left and right. You know, it's not right that, mental health care has become so inaccessible, right? To the point where I think something like 12 million, this is, this is in regards to domestic violence, something like 12 million people a year are affected by domestic violence. But like the, the reality is, is, is there's so much uh, that's not just and in having this anger that is righteous, that is grounded in kind of a healthy sense of anger, um, I think is important and it's important to recognize. And um, I think it's an important driver in, in terms of the change that we do make in our individual lives and communities. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I think that when it comes to our collective, like no one is an island. And I think this ties into mental health. It ties into recreation. It literally is every facet of our society the broken part of our system is that we have allowed ourselves to be fooled into thinking that we are all individuals Mm -hmm. and we are decisions alone, create the factors that control our lives. When you really sit someone down and you talk about everything, you will always back them into a, who believes that you will always, always back them into a corner where they 
can't escape, which is like, yeah, the past influences the present period. I mean, we literally teach history and there's literally a saying that says like history, uh, uh, that is, you know, those who forget history are doomed to repeat it. I mean, it's, it's a, so this idea that somehow the past doesn't influence the present. I mean, that is absolutely ridiculous. We, we have historical baggage and that's the way it is. And that's financial, it's racial, it's ethnic, it is sexual, it is, it is, it is so religious, it is everything. Everything comes with baggage and everything has a, uh, a consequence. Every action in the past has a consequence to the present. And uh, thinking about that is really overwhelming and I think it's scary and I think it's really hard to put aside your place in the world to think about those things. But the thing is, is that it directly affects you. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, those things affect all of us. You know, if the most right leaning Trumpian conservative uh, who is extremely poor living in a trailer park in rural Alabama begins to understand that they have the same, they have, uh, it's not the same. If they have, if they begin to understand that they, they live in the same, the same society that's holding down their black brothers and sisters mm-hmm. like as soon as they realize they they too are being pushed under the under the boot of that same system well then that's when we're going to get real change and i think that's the difficult part for me right now is that i'm very angry you know i have a private facebook page that i definitely put some opinions on and i've only recently done that and i guess i i've literally only done that twice but and I'm like, wow, okay, that's where all the division comes from. And now I'm starting to see how like my anger affects like certain people. So now I'm trying to figure out how do I be angry with some compassion? Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, that's like my next challenge right now. Like, how do I make, yeah, Kurt Hahn and Outward Bound would always ask like, you know, above all compassion. And so how are you, you know, wrapping all of your feedback with assertiveness, but also compassion? Yeah. That's great. I mean, to have that space, I think again, to to have that that anger that you're speaking to is, is super important. Yeah, we don't have news anchors anymore, right? We have pundits, and I have the pundits that I like. I I as a as a as as someone who identifies as a progressive, I I will I definitely have the people that I listen to some, but I also, as long as I'm holding to some kind of true north of values that I uphold. I will call them out at least personally um, or I will reach out personally then via social media and say like within, within reason, like, I think your argument for this is flawed. You know, it's because again, they're, they're a pundit with an opinion and a following, right? They're and, and political beliefs can smooth ebb and flow and sway. And um, just like, uh, I mean, just like anything. Mm-hmm. And we have to be prepared to ch- challenge even the people that we trust the most, which is, I mean, I understand that gets you into trouble sometimes because then like now you have people challenging doctors saying that you need a vaccine. Right. You know, right. You know if this doctor, she tells me I need a vaccine. Well, I'm going to do it because, you know, she's an MD. <laughs> like they're an MD and I'm going to take this vaccine. <laughs> like, but now you have people saying like, well, you know, you can't trust them. Like, yeah, but you didn't have that belief before and it's okay to grow and everything, but you're regressing. You're not, that's not, that's not progressing good. because this is in, you know, you compartmentalize this over here because it's progress. Whereas, you know, yeah, maybe at one point you were 
more liberal and now you became more conservative because of X. Okay, well, that's fine. But now you're literally dealing with a thing that can kill you. And anyway, it's uh, I I get it. I mean, I'm probably I don't know if I'm exposing myself too much on here, sharing my own opinions. But, you know, I saw this thing the other day on on Facebook and it was something along the lines of, um, you know, people are so adamant to to fight against these organizations that get billions of dollars a year in, in terms of funding for research and, you know, these these obviously highly qualified individuals in terms of uh, degrees and their education and experience and, <laughs> and this idea that, you know, these people who are just doing their own research through Google um, seems to somehow know better. And <laughs> I don't know, like, I'm, I, I'm not going to fully speak into what I believe, but um, the reality is, is I'm not a doctor. I'm not a medical doctor. Right. And so I leave kind of like you've been saying, like, I leave the expertise to the experts, right? You know, I trust that the experts know what they're talking about because they're experts in their field. And that's not where my field of expertise lies. Yeah. One place where I've been trying to use a phrase I've been trying to use less is that, oh, I've done research on it. No, I haven't. I haven't like stayed up uh, day and night and did an entire thesis on, you know, the, 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 the cost benefit analysis of using a girth hitch on a stopper. You know, like I just, I have it. I say that cause that's literally a video I, I just finished today. Right. Um, yeah. It's just like, I, like I haven't done that. You know, and what I've done is that I have compiled other people's research to the best of my ability. Yeah. Calling it research really like what, that's all I've done. I've read research or I've read, I mean, yeah. So I'm trying to get rid of that. I'm policing my language in that way. I'm also um, trying to figure out how I can also put out there and, and well, continue to do this is something I, I'm pretty passionate about is I'm, I'm very passionate. Like I, just because I took my Alpine guy course does not mean that I'm going to throw up on my Instagram account that says I'm an apprentice Alpine guy. That is not in any way to say that someone who has taken it shouldn't put up that they've taken that course. That is a hundred percent. Okay. It's completely within the bounds of, of of the code of conduct and like that's fine i think what i'm trying to establish is a baseline of i'm going and i actually noticed you do this in your email too Mm. like you actually put in that you have not yet been certified in it yeah Um, but you are nonetheless in the program and that is incredibly pro i mean i wish that we just had transparency like that all of the time. I mean, doctors do it right. There are definitely doctors who have misrepresented themselves. Mm -hmm. And I mean, and this, I, again, I'm not knocking on chiropractors or anything, but like there was a chiropractor who uh, made the whole, like the 5g thing conspiracy helped to elevate the 5g conspiracy theory and uh, around COVID last year, I know it's crazy that there's been so many conspiracy theories. Like, it's like, <laughs> when was that? Right. Um, you know, and, and it's like they were misrepresenting their credentials. And every time they would sit down and blog about it, vlog about it, they would call themselves a doctor. And it's like, look, again, that's not to, I'm not, I'm not poo-pooing uh, a chiropractor. I'm just saying that, like, that is mi- grossly misrepresenting yeah. Your, yeah. your, your specialty, right. your expertise. And it's, and like, I, that's something us like you and I as professionals, I think uh, can always just continue to try to uphold, you know, it's like, you want to reach out to me and talk about like how this anchor distribution works in this regard based on upward and downward pull, because it's in this specific context. Great, man. Come to me. I'm yeah. I'm so happy to talk about that. 
But then if you're going to come to me and say, hey, what do you think about like the holding capabilities of a backfilled T-trench anchor in, in a, on a glacier versus a not backfilled anchor? And I'm like, well, I can give you an opinion, but I haven't been certified in that yet. Right. And that's about as far as I can go. Here's yeah. some, here's a great place you can go to find better research. <laughs> well, and the best way that I can think of to compare that is, is in my, in my field, we can't, we probably similar to the outdoor industry, kind of like what you've been talking about is we can only stay within the confines of what we are, are certified, what we are licensed to practice, right? Which is mental health, right? Meaning, um, for example, we aren't allowed to touch on pretty much anything medical related. So like for, and, and in terms of, uh, recommendations and maybe I'm not fully aware of this as I'm still learning, but from what I understand, I can't ethically say, Hey, you know, it sounds like you're having some sleep disturbances. Um, you know, you're having some difficulty falling asleep at night. You should take some melatonin. Right. right. Because that is not my field of practice. Right. That's a medical thing. Cause it's medication. Right. And so I can't, right. oh, you know, try taking 10 milligrams tonight for medic, uh, you know, uh, of, of the melatonin. And, and that's not where I'm, I, I can't speak into that. I have my opinions about that. You know, I take melatonin and it works for me. Um, so you should try it too. But I can't ethically say, oh, you know, as your, as your mental health provider, I think you should take this. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to, uh, you know, give you as homework is what they'll say a lot in counseling that you should do this, this, this. So I think you're right. I think there, there does need to be that transparency. And unfortunately, at least in the counseling world, that is very clear in our ethics is like, you can't be misrepresenting yourself, you know, and, and it probably still happens um, as it does in other fields. But I think, you know, the ACA, the American Counseling Association has done a pretty good job of, of making that clear. And I think they do a pretty good job at least, but I don't know, maybe I'm not reading the right news sites. <laughs> well, this goes back into, I, I do think, I mean, because you could cut out like so much filler here, but uh, this I do think is important for what we're talking about and where our, our, our professions align is that, again, in our country, this very individualistic mindset, we don't regulate these industries very well. Um, And I mean, I'm calling out my own industry in that regard. I actually think that like your industry and mine have actually done a wonderful self-policing job to the best of our abilities. And I, and I'm ignorant of the, of the implications of yours. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So yours are, is lightly regulated as well. Yeah. So, I mean, they're, they're finally, it seems like they're finally starting to crack down on it and make it a more nationally coherent system. But I mean, as of right now that I'm aware of and, and for the, for the past, as it has been in the past, um, it differs from state to state. Like I know to get licensed, for example, in Colorado, it is a minimum of, two years post-graduation work with 2000 hours that you need versus like in Texas, for example, it's 3000 hours. So like each state differs in terms of how many hours you need, you know, even, you know, what they call us. I mean, unfortunately, and this is kind of a tangent, but like uh, counseling is such a broad word, right? We could use counseling for so many to, to, to describe so many different things and same with therapy, right? When we're talking about therapy, we could be talking about recreational therapy. We could be talking about equine therapy. We could be talking about, um, 
physical therapy, right? All these different things that when we think of mental health therapy, right, it's obviously different. And so they've just done a poor job initially of really making this a nationally recognized thing of like, okay, when we say therapy, when we say counseling, it's like its own thing, you know? And, and again, it's, it, it differs state, state by state. You know, if I were to be licensed in Colorado, but then try to move to a different state, again, it just depends, right? You may have to take a couple classes, depending on the state, to kind of have that license be the same and transfer over. Um, you might have to do a little bit more work experience. I don't know. It, it really depends on a lot of factors. And again, this is from what I'm aware of, but um, it's obviously not very, you know, universal in, in the U.S. Yeah, and I'm sure it's more. It's yeah, I'm sure it's more multifaceted and complicated too than guiding as an example. But right. I just think that's a very healthy. I think that's good for any consumer listening to understand that. I I really don't like this. There should be the Consumer Protection Bureau should be much stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, there needs there should be a much heavy, more heavy handed consequences for misrepresenting your credentials for your given profession. Um, I don't think every profession needs to have a credential per se. I'm not saying that, I, but I am saying that um, things that directly affect the health, and, and I mean health broadly, uh, or the, li- the life, literal life and limb of an individual should be regulated. Uh, I think it should be regulated heavily. We do it across the board. Uh, we do it for haircuts. I mean, if we can regulate the haircut industry, I think we can be okay regulating the mental health industry or the, and the guide industry. I don't- In a more serious I, way. <laughs> yeah, in a much more serious way. And I uh, also, I struggle with even calling it the health industry because it's a need. We, and, and we can say that recreation people need that too. And I'm, I'm fine making that argument. But one thing that's un, undeniable is that people need health, need, need their health. And calling it an industry, I think is perverting to some degree the profession. Mm-hmm. And that's obviously my non-medical opinion. Um, and I think it should be much more called uh, something. Well, it's all semantics, but I don't think industry. Yeah. Sorry, what's that? I was just saying, yeah, I agree. I mean, obviously language is, it's what it comes down to is the language we're using and and how it's being interpreted and and how we're using it to define different things. And and this is all very systemic, right? I mean, yeah, you know, we can't just change how we call things on an individual level and expect it to change on the societal level. But, but I think you're right. I mean, I, I, I think that's really something I haven't really thought of this idea of, you know, we're calling it an industry and what does industry mean? Industry means business, right? I mean, industry means money, right? Which is going back to what we're talking about. Money is the root of all evil, if you will, right? Uh, Money is really, has, has a huge grip on a lot of these different areas that is preventing a lot of access. So... Yeah. And I just think that that representing ourselves in the meantime is going to be important. And uh, I just appreciate what you're doing uh, with that uh, in that regard. And the fact that you're making this podcast is, I think, emblematic of what we can do to start reaching the arm out to people and say, to the best of our ability, this is okay that you're feeling this way. 
and a hundred percent reach out to me, (laughs) you know, and I can do whatever I can, you know, I mean, I have to, I have to put food on my table. In my case, I had to put food in my lap. I don't have a table these days. You have a Frisbee maybe. Yeah. Right. I know. Um, but I never did the Frisbee ball, um, but no, I should, um, it's dual purpose, but I do think that, um, being able to look to people and say that you have this, not only is acceptable, uh, we are advocating that it should be commonplace and that you should have access to it regardless of your circumstance. And, eventually that's where I'd like to put the guiding industry and that's what I can focus on right now. But I also recognize that even though I think it is important, I don't think it's the most important thing right now. Um, but it is what I can work on. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that is your, you know, experiences and that's, that's what you do, right? You are a guide and that, that doesn't necessarily need to limit who you are and, and trying, I'm not trying to limit, you know, your identity, I guess in that sense, but like that is where you've been called to work and, and, and to use that space to advocate for others and to lead others and, and teach others. And, and that is a space you can really excel in, in doing good work in, I think. Does is, is that make sense in, in what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, it's the thing that I have direct control over. And in this world, you only have direct control over certain things. And you can work within that realm and it's very difficult to escape. I mean, and do other things. And, and, and also like, you know, you're obviously so knowledgeable about so many different things and how many other people can say that, you know, comparatively not a lot. Right. And so you are in this unique position where you get to share that with others. And, and there are, there is a population out there who's wanting that, right. There is, there are people who really look for that kind of direction, for that kind of instruction, for this area of life to really lean into that positive side of their mental health, right? And I think that's a really cool space that you get to get to live in and and not limit yourself, right? I think it's, I'm really excited to kind of hear what you end up coming up with in terms of expanding your sphere of influence, if you will. I'm sure you're gonna, you're, you're cooking up some good ideas right now, so. What I really want to do is because I am opinionated on a lot of topics is that I do want to create a page that is just me ranting about, and I'm <laughs> going to try to distill it, you know, and keep it one minute or less, just about an opinion <laughs> on, a, on, a, on a political subject, perhaps. But no, that's, I'm joking partly, but yeah. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Well, I mean, is there anything else? I, th- I feel like this might be a good wrapping up point. Is there anything else you feel like you want to kind of throw out there or any passing words of wisdom? The guide process going through this, this AMGA process and becoming a guide has taught me a lot about self-control. It has taught me a lot about how to deal with my anxiety and my self-deprecation, my imposter syndrome that I often feel. It has taught me to deal with that in a way. It's given me, again, I come back to this a lot, but it's given me a true north to always handle. Mm -hmm. And I just hope that whoever it does listen to this, that they can find something that they can really put their heart behind and pursue it if they're not able to do it as a primary means of a lifestyle and career. Mm -hmm. I at least hope they get to do it 
uh, passively, even if that's literally just watching YouTube videos to get started. I mean, whatever it is, I just hope people can put themselves through an apprenticeship like that, Mm -hmm. that will force them into all of those things. It will bring out all of their weaknesses and challenges, and it will force them to contend with them and to contend with how they operate in their world. Whatever that is for you, that person, I just hope that you are able to, to explore that. And I will fight as much as I can to make sure that you have the right to do that. Because I think that people should be able to, in the richest country on the planet, should be able to pursue the thing that they either are naturally good at or want to be good at. Man, that's great, Cody. (laughs) Thanks for giving me the space to say that, Josh. (laughs) Appreciate your time. I hope I didn't take up too much of it. Um, I feel like, I feel like I didn't even, you know, there's so much more we could still talk about. I feel like there's so many questions I still have. We'll have to do another part, you know, part two. Yeah, we'll do a part two. Uh, Yeah. 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 Awesome. Well, Hey man, uh, it's good to see you. It's good to, you know, actually speak with you and and be with you in this space and sucks that it's virtual, but you know, I'm glad that you're taking the space to, to rest and, um, take care of yourself. So Thanks, Josh. Thanks for giving me a space to say a lot of that. Thanks for giving me a platform to say a lot of that. I look forward to uh, my followers being able to listen to you. Um, and uh, I look forward to us maybe actually getting out to go out and climb. Maybe we'll go out and share some pitches, you know, like actually. Yes, definitely looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah, man. So, um, yeah, and good luck to you and, and everything you're doing right now. And uh, more power to you. We need uh, more people like you. So thanks for, thanks for doing what you do. I appreciate that. Yeah, definitely reach out. Let me know. um, And I'd love to do this again. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure we will. So awesome, Josh. Great talking to you. Yeah, you as well, man.